First clock it in for Jazz. Hey, did you hear that in the forecast? Possible thunder showers. Boy, things are taking a bit of a turn. It's out of the pool and almost back to school. Question comes up, how can you help your children with things like friendship making, social media, all those type of things have become even more of a challenge when they head back to class? Well, one of the people that's looked into this is Dr. Omori Makami, a professor in the Department of Psychology at UBC. Had a chance to chat with her and ask, well, many parents have kids going back to school, like my own son is going from elementary school to grade 8 high school. How do we set them up for success? Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, going to any school, whether it's um, moving from elementary to high school or just just move, maybe you moved communities and starting a new school. It's, it's often an adjustment for youth because they need to um, reassess their their social lives and their social schedules. And I think that this is probably a good time for parents to just have an open-minded and open-ended chat with their child or teenager about um, what they they liked about their friendships and their social life at the previous location, at the previous school. And so what aspects were they, did they want to keep or were they hoping that they could keep in the new school? as well as if there are things that they didn't like about the friendships and relationships that they had in the previous school. And you know, what, what, so then what might they like to change in the new school and if they have any ideas about uh, how they might do that. And I think that parents should try to um, well, keep it age appropriate because you know, for, for a little kid, you'd be asking it in, different, like in slightly different wording than with a teenager. And also just try to, be, try to listen and be really open-minded and non-judgmental because I think that's another thing, especially with teenagers. Sometimes they are very sensitive to the idea that maybe they'll start talking about their friends or their social goals and the parents will jump on them immediately and try to correct them and give a whole bunch of advice. And that, that can shut the teenager down sometimes from talking further. And friends change at different points. And sometimes even a student, uh, an adolescent may look at a friend they've had for a long time and suddenly that friend is with a different group. Well, I think it's um, sometimes, it, well, I think even as adults, we can all empathize with that or remember a time or feeling where we felt like we were, we were left behind or people who we used to be friends with had, had moved on in one way or another, whether it's physically or just, just emotionally, moved on to a different stage in their life or different types of friends and that feeling of being, being left behind. Um, most adults have had that at some point in their life, and it's 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 awful. So I would say, you know, to the extent that adults can try to get in touch with that feeling and empathy for how a youth might feel in this situation, and also, you know, youth may not have the perspective that adults have about, you know, that this is natural or that you'll you'll meet new friends or or meet new people, um, and so. Yeah, to try to approach, I'd say to try to approach the situation with empathy. If it, to the extent that it feels appropriate or age appropriate, I, you know, uh, adults can share experiences that, share, share that they, times in their life that they felt similarly left out or left behind. Um, sometimes that can help teens or kids feel more understood or, or feel like it's a safer space to open up about their feelings. I think uh, online social communication, social media, that's a reality. 
for almost uh, any student that's got a computer or a mobile phone. Uh, What do we do as parents to make sure that the relationships that they have and the communication that they have is as healthy as possible when it comes to their well-being and how they fit in? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the digital world, I think, is here to stay. And I think, uh, you know, most adults um, have the, you know, have the growing understanding and recognition that uh, they will never fully understand or be able to keep up with uh, the latest platforms or the, the, the you know, the, the lingo, the ways that, that their teenagers and, you know, even preteens now are uh, are using, are using these digital platforms. So I would say, though, that uh, parents hopefully you know try to not be afraid of it. You know, it's not it's not the monster, it's not the mysterious beast. Uh, it's just another way that teens and preteens are using to communicate. And so sometimes, and you know, as sometimes it's it can be used in very healthy ways that strengthen existing and deepen existing friendships and. Um, supportive relationships, and it can also be used in in negative ways, uh, as people are aware. So I would say, you know, approach it not as something to be really afraid of. Just approach it how you would approach any new social situation. I was surprised when I picked up my friend, my friend, my son from school. He was with his best friend, and they both had left the class together and were going in separate directions for the day. And that's great but they just kind of separated out and didn't say goodbye to each other. And I thought, wow, that's really odd. And I talked with some other parents and they said, oh yeah, but they're always connected. They're always kind of online. So they see kind of goodbyes as different and they don't really have to say goodbye. It's a different sort of social interaction. Do you see any others like this? Well, yes. I mean, there's definitely, there's there's clearly ways that uh, digital communication is is different from face to face communication, especially or especially when you are talking about social media. Like you know, I mean, some people have talked about how just the whole the whole public nature, or you know, the fact that like what you post can be seen by hundreds or even thousands of friends or followers in an you know in an instant, and then. It can be looked, you know, people can look back at it like weeks or you know, days or even weeks later. So there's a certain like visualness, there's a certain publicness, um, and there's a certain way that information gets out really fast. But that can heighten both the positive and the negative aspects of social media. You know, so, so for instance, if you've got good friends and you've got something good happening to you, then being able to get the word out about that and get a lot of genuine support is great. But of course, if it's you know if it's not so good or you're being left out of something, or of course there's there's a, there's online bullying, then that having that taking place on a very public stage and often a very permanent stage can be more damaging. I know as parents and as teachers, we often worry about students and how they're doing. What are things that we can look out for? What is kind of like the news you can use when it comes to telltale signs when we should step in and make sure that the adolescent is okay? I I feel like um, it's probably a good idea to just have a regular stream of communication and checking in anyway, whether or not you think that your adolescent is particularly not okay or at risk for not being okay. Because by the time somebody is not okay, 
um, sometimes they are already so isolated or they're closed off to people checking in. And so trying, you know, like the door is already shut or almost shut. And so at that time, a parent and teacher trying to like knock on the door, or get in the door, sometimes that's, they have a harder job ahead of them compared to if they were already, you know, the door was already open to begin with. And, you know, and so, so they, yeah, the whole way through. So I guess that's the first thing I would say, you know, try to check in and build those positive relationships with communication. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you aren't afraid of, you know, even if you don't think they're at risk, but yes, yeah, some signs that of course, um, people have noticed of, you know, big, big changes in eating or sleeping habits sometimes, uh, something that, yeah, that triggers that, that might, might make you wonder if they're at risk or if they're upset about something or if something's going on. Dr. Amori Makami is a professor in the Department of Psychology at UBC.